The word Christian literally means belonging to Christ or a member of Christ. So why are we called Christians? It's because we share in his anointing. Jesus is, has been ordained by God to be the anointed prophet, priest, and king of his people. And those offices of ministry, prophet, priest, king, find their origins in the Old Covenant, right? You remember, they were all entered into with oil anointings. Remember when uh, Samuel went to anoint the first king, Saul, uh, uh, to be king, and then David to replace him. Kings were anointed with oil. And so too, Elijah anoints Elisha into the ministry of the prophet to succeed him. The sons of Aaron uh, had, uh, were anointed into the ministry of the priesthood. They had specially prepared oils. And these oils, oil anointings were to physically symbolize uh, and call for faith in the spiritual anointing of, of the Holy Spirit of God for these men as they carried out their God-ordained ministries. Each of these offices of ministry anticipated uh, uh, the Messiah to come who would absolutely fulfill their ministries. The Messiah that was anticipated in the Old Covenant would be the definitive king of the people of God. He would rule them. The Messiah to come would be the definitive priest who would bring sinful people back into relationship and fellowship with the holy God. That's what priests do. And he would be the definitive prophet who, as it says in the catechism, fully and perfectly reveals the will of God. And Jesus is that Messiah. And that's why he's given the Greek title Christos, which is a title meaning the anointed one, the Christ. All three of the, these God-ordained offices of ministry begun in the Old Covenant find their fulfillment in Jesus. But here's the uh, exciting thing for you and me. Belonging to Christ, we share in his anointing because his spirit lives in us. Now, question and answer 32 spell out some of the implications of that. It means we confess him as Christ. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We reign uh, with Christ. But there's more to be unfolded in that notion of sharing in Christ's spiritual anointing. When the spirit of Jesus lives in us, we, sharing that spirit, become his priests, prophets, and kings on earth. And in carrying out his anointing, in living in fellowship and exercising it, we do Christian ministry. So let me explain. As prophets, we come to know the will of God. Jesus said, I don't call you servants anymore. You who are my people, I call you friends because I, what I have learned from the Father, I have made known to you. And so we know the will of God. And the prophetic ministry 
knows what God's will is and declares that will. Whether it's from the pulpit or from the dinner table, we know the will of God to teach, to disciple. When it comes to marriage, we know the will of God. A gift, his will is a man and woman. So, yeah, we declare that from the pulpit in the context of our day. But also in our lunchroom tables. It's prophetic ministry because Jesus has taught us the will of God. Likewise, his spirit makes us kings, queens on earth, rulers, leaders, influencers. He is the light of God, but remember he told us that we are his light. We are influencers. We are his salt. So his anointing restores our uh, our human dominion on the earth. It renews us in our cultural mandate to bring all of creation under his lordship. God, in that sense, God's people rule on earth. Revelations 5.10 says, With his blood, Jesus has purchased men from every tribe and language and people and made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. So in that sense of reigning, the kingly anointing helps us to lead people. His spirit gives us vision. If we're going to be influencers, we have to see God's will. And the Acts 2.16, the Spirit anoints us with vision to see a preferred future that God has for our lives or our organizations, our schools, our businesses, our families. And to be a, a king or a queen is to plan and to execute, to lead, to bless, to protect, to provide. That's kingly ministry And it's part of sharing in the anointing of Jesus. And third, as I've already read from Revelation 5, we're made priests. Now that's a really common term for us. It's a core tenet of our Reformation theology, the priesthood of all believers. That not just a special class of clergy, but all Christians are priests in the anointing of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. We are anointed as priests in his name by the power of his blood to bring others into relationship and fellowship with God. 1 Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. What do priests do? Well, uh, priests, there's a connection with the word bridges. Priests are bridges. You know, in the Old Covenant, what they did through sacrifice, they restored and renewed people in fellowship with God, blood in hand. They would go and they would intercede for people before the holy God with that blood in hand. Jesus is the great high priest who who with his own blood has made atonement for the people of God. He has restored us to peace with God. And by his blood, we we plead for renewal and fellowship with God as, as, as his blood washes away our sins. So the Old Testament priesthood anticipated his ministry. And as his priesthood then, we continue in his name, by his blood, sharing in his spirit to be bridges for others to come into or 
to be renewed in spiritual fellowship with God. So this is a framework for Christian ministry, sharing in Jesus' anointing. And uh, I just wanted to kind of lay that foundation before we enter into the scriptures. Kings bring the reign of God, his blessing on earth. Prophets reveal God's will to others. Priests bridge people, sinful people, to the holy God. And all of that is sharing in his anointing, rejoicing in who he is, bringing him glory by exercising that anointing through the power of his Holy Spirit living in us. Jesus Christ is more than just a concept. He's a power that makes us kings and prophets and priests. Now, let's open our Bibles to Hebrews 4.14 because I want to focus for the rest of the time on this priestly ministry. It's on my mind a lot because so much... It's so much part of my ministry now at Downers Grove. So uh, I wrote this sermon for myself as well as for all of you. Uh, but, uh, you know, we each have a call to uh, be God's priests in this world. Sharing in the anointing of Jesus, what does this involve? I want to highlight a couple of aspects of priestly ministry that uh, we read from Jesus' example in Hebrews 4. We'll begin at verse uh, 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. And so Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son today. I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Two aspects of Jesus' high priestly ministry that help inform our ministry sharing in his anointing. One, to become our priest, Jesus got to know us. Chapter 5, verse 1, a high priest is selected from among men to represent them in matters related to God. The eternal Son became incarnate, Jesus, in order to become our high priest. He came to know us, even 
our temptations, even our challenges in life. Chapter 4, verse 15. The other thing he did to become our great high priest is he learned obedience in his suffering. Now, Jesus was always obedient in his sinlessness, but that obedience of Jesus grew as he went through suffering, even unto death on the cross. That's why it says that he was made perfect. I, I, I always think of this like those light bulbs uh, that can dim or brighten. You know, probably you have one of those in your uh, home. Well, Jesus' uh, obedience always shone. He's a sinless Savior. But that obedience grew brighter and brighter as he faced greater and greater challenges in the life of faith, through opposition, through rejection, through abandonment, through the physical pain of the crucifixion, through the emotional pain of being mocked and spit upon, through the spiritual pain of experiencing God-forsakenness. Through all of that, Jesus remained sinless, and his obedience in that sense grew, he, and he was made perfect. He learned obedience, the brightness of his obedience growing into the world. The, the brightest revelation of God is on the cross of Jesus Christ. And there he became perfected in obedience to become the human atonement for our sins and the source of salvation for all who obey him. So he learned obedience. And priestly ministry comes from knowing those that you are called to bring into fellowship with God, knowing them through sacrificial intercession, as the Lord did. Priestly ministry grows as we learn obedience in suffering. Let me apply this, uh, these two points. Knowing others. Uh, the past 12 years, living in South Holland, being part of the Church of Christ in that community, uh, it's, it's quite a racially diverse community. You may know that, 65% African-American and increasingly Hispanic. And uh, our Lord prayed for the unity of the church. So in response at Peace Christian Reformed Church, we sought to intentionally build bridges with local African-American congregations, two of them, and one Nigerian congregation. These, these were all small churches who we opened our facility and they could use them for their ministries. And the, our building... Uh, which is, we said, not our building, it's Christ's building. We, uh, we had four churches, and there is still four churches there. And then from time to time, what we would do is have uh, meals together, fellowship service projects, and uh, occasionally combine worship services, which is probably the most challenging thing to do together uh, for us. But they represented opportunities for us to know each other, and in getting to know each other, become God's blessing to each other, to encourage one another, to grow in Christ together, to be, in a sense, bridges into deeper and better fellowship with God, truer fellowship with God. And, you know, I know uh, my pastor friends would say that, that they are richer, deeper Christians from having had fellowship in such ways. But uh, doing this, for example, we quickly found out uh, kind of differences in the way we do church. Uh, not only that we worship differently, but why? The African-American worship uh, 
especially in a service, tends to be, at the outset, really exuberant. And uh, they could never understand why we started so quietly. Why you're so quiet? You know, in the African-American context, again, speaking, you know, broadly, uh, they come to church to be lifted up. That's the focus, especially at the beginning, to be energized in order to hear the word of God. And uh, in our tradition, we come, you know, and we have a hymn of praise, and we, uh, I grew up hearing the law, and then humbling ourselves. And so that then we're ready to hear the, the, the word. So why the difference? You know, we, we got to know each other. Well, you know, it, it's not rocket science to figure out. It has to do with the African-American story, where uh, their personhood, going back to the days of slavery, was always put down. And, uh, and, and they came to church to be affirmed and valued. And they first had, had to hear that they're cherished by God. And they had to celebrate that. And then hear his word. Dominant culture doesn't have that need. In fact, it's very appropriate to come before the holy God to be humble. Because we tend to live in self-affirmation, self-dependence, uh, rather than God affirmation, God dependence, and we need to confess that in order to be hungry to hear the word. And uh, same thing with titles. I used to say to my friend, Pastor James, man, what's with all the titles in your church? I mean, we're in Chicagoland. We know African-American churches have bishops and archbishops and deacons and ministers and pastors, and, you know, they, they don't have ushers and sound guys like that brother there, you're, you're ordained. You're a pastor of hospitality. You're, a, you're an ordained minister of technology sitting in the booth. You know, what, what, what gives? Well, it comes from their story. The need for the church to be a place of affirmation. So you got titles at church when it was so difficult to get titles in broader culture. Tony Evans wrote a little book called uh, Let's Get to Know Each Other. It's a priestly book. And so by doing this, and it was self-sacrificial, because lots of times uh, when we did worship together, it was not our style. But we got to know each other, and we got to become God's presence for one another. And by the power of the blood and in the name of Jesus, you know, we were able to encourage each other and understand one another and uh, intercede for one another and draw each other into, into God, life and God. And so we bridge-built as ministries, not to say, well, now you become like us, but to follow the, the lead of the Holy Spirit, to know, and when you know someone, you can serve them, even affirming in their weaknesses and sympathizing with each other and growing in Christ. We need each other to grow in Christ. But that takes a commitment to know us, just as Jesus came first to be our priest, he came to know us. He came to know us. So here's the practical takeaway. What I just described here in terms of our experience with an African-American church culture, every person, every individual has their own story, has their own culture. We have our unique families of origin. Unique stories of success and failure, unique experiences 
of joys and pains in life. And to share in the priestly anointing of Jesus involves getting to know those you are called to serve. Even self-sacrificially giving yourself in love to know those people. Whether they're in your workplace, your, your next door neighbors, it is listening to their stories and experiencing. It is understanding their key life-shaping events. It is seeking to know their cultural context. Now, on a base level, that just values them and gives them a sense of belonging. And it opens up channels of ministry. But more than that, it shares in the priestly anointing of Jesus Christ as he came to know us, to become the one who then bridged us back into relationship with God through his sacrifice and renews us in fellowship with God. Second takeaway. We're called to uh, learn obedience in our places of suffering. Verse 9, Jesus learned obedience to become our great high priest. And we love him for this. We, we, he learned obedience in, in time of sorrow. So my boss, Jackie Terpstra, you know, she can turn to Jesus, and uh, he, he lost a dear friend, Lazarus, and he wept. And uh, he always remained faithful to God, and his spirit can communicate and will communicate uh, wisdom and love to us in our times of sorrow. Jesus learned obedience in pain, in rejection, in facing satanic opposition. Also, not only to become the perfect human sacrifice to atone for sin, but so that he can intercede for us and minister to us God's wisdom and love for the times when we are rejected, when we lose our job, when we face uncertainties and pains and oppositions. So sharing in his anointing, therefore, calls us to learn obedience in our places of suffering. And we want to do that, yes, to be faithful to God, but also it builds us in ministry in this world. It's the way priestly ministry grows. It's one of the reasons God ordains challenges. You know, uh, Greg shared with me some of his health, health challenges, and I've been thinking all week, how, I wonder how that MRI report went, and I'm so glad to hear, you know, you're learning obedience in hard places, and each of us have our places of challenge to learn obedience, and we want to be faithful because it honors God, but it builds ministry. When we lose a spouse or when we learn obedience through fatherlessness, that's my story. Learn obedience through, through uh, spousal abandonment. And, you know, sometimes we go through having to learn obedience even through marital breakup. Learning obedience through uh, unemployment and rejection. All of that equips us to be, in a sense, sources of salvation for others as we are able to speak into the lives of others. Because we've gone through it. And we've understood what it means to be faithful to God through that. Uh, you know, I was thinking when Greg was sharing a little bit about his health challenges and uh, our family appreciates this preacher, Matt Chandler, and I'm thinking, I wonder if he's ever heard of Matt Chandler because that brother is a, is a guy who's gone through very similar things and he shared uh, for the benefit of the whole church just his learned obedience and it draws us into faithfulness with God and I'm glad, you know, you, you know his story. 
And uh, so Christian ministry is sharing in the anointing of Jesus. And as his priest, it calls us to get to know others and to learn obedience so that we can be used to draw others into relationship and fellowship with God. That is how Jesus lives in us. We share in his anointing. And just as uh, priests are appointed by God, you, Christian, have been appointed by God just as Jesus was. No one takes his honor upon himself. You have to be called by God as Aaron was, as Jesus was, and as each of us are. And to this, uh, I've been appointed now at Providence, and I appreciate your prayers. Priestly ministry can be challenging, uh, giving our lives to know others. Uh, boy, that takes an energy of love. Sometimes you think, wow, you're, why are you so self-absorbed? Do you, won't, are you ever going to ask me anything? You know, uh, But we're called to be living sacrifices. And uh, I once read, uh, as priests or bridges, bridges tend to be walked upon. So it's not always easy. Listening and getting to know others, pursuing their story uh, can be challenging. Likewise, learning obedience in, in, in our hard places. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get despairing, hopeless, self-pity, faithless discouragement. So remember, this is Christian ministry shares in his anointing. So, to finish, never cease to rejoice in Jesus' faithfulness through suffering. He learned obedience for you. To be our priest, our great high priest. Never cease to rejoice in his commitment to know you and your life story by becoming incarnate. He did it for you and me. As we rejoice in that, as we continue to marvel as faith is nourished by who Christ is, we will love because we understand how he first loved us. Sharing in his anointing, you and I, Christians, are God's kings, queens, prophets, and priests in this world.